buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. All right, everybody. Welcome to a special live edition of Sales Hustle. I have got a fantastic guest for you today. I had the pleasure of going on his show recently. I've got Brett Williams, who is the host of Linked to Sales. Brett, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Glad we could go live on this one. It's going to be fun. Yeah, this is a special treat uh, for you sales hustlers. We are live on LinkedIn, so uh, feel free to type your comments in. If you're joining us live, um, we had some technical difficulties and we just decided to go live with it. So I'm excited and pumped up for you guys to hear. Brett, uh, I had the pleasure of going on your show recently and we had a ton of fun, so I know that this is going to be equally as fun. So Brett, as we get started, as always, we like to keep these as tactical as possible um, so our sales hustlers can feel like they learned something. Maybe it's just the kick in the ass that they need. Uh, reminder, uh, but give them, before we jump into that stuff, give them your sales story. Yeah. So I actually started in sales, I think like a lot of people do out of necessity. Um, when I was 18 years old, mm-hmm. um, I was in the the cell phone industry of all industries um, slinging back in the days before there were really any smartphones. Um, so that was, uh, that was where I really started and started to fall in love with sales, um, and ultimately even marketing through that and, um, spent several years in the sales world directly and then transitioned into more of like an engineering role because technology was just something I really loved. Um, Mm. that again, kind of, fell on my fell in my lap and um what ended up happening was i was one of those engineers i was a network engineer and found out that i was one of the few engineers that actually had people skills (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) i would uh, i would always end up being the one in the sales interactions and Mm. so ended up as an engineering manager for quite some time and then decided that it was time to get back into the sales game because i just I, i enjoy the people more than anything else. And um, so I decided to get back into the sales and marketing game. And that's where I'm at today. I'm the CEO of Leading Link. That's what this uh, background is behind me. That's our uh, our company. And we focus really on helping B2B companies do business development. And then we recently, I say recently, it's been almost five months now, launched um, our 
live show as well, leading to sales. And we go live on LinkedIn and then are on all the various podcast platforms. And that's kind of my story in a really quick nutshell. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about a little bit. How do you think that your engineering background helped you as a seller? I think the, the thing with my engineering background is it helped me look at everything as a process and as a flow, but also maintain my agility. So it was like balancing that between, you know, most sellers, or at least whenever I was in sales early on, I would often just kind of go off of the, by the seat of my pants. <laughs> like I was not like the uh, polished salesperson. I was the person who could just kind of jive and, and, sh and shrug as I needed to. And getting into engineering really helped me start to see the process of sales and how it really is a science just as much mm. as it is an art. And so having that piece to balance me out has made a huge difference. So let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Tell me about the science of sales versus the art of sales. So when I look at the science of sales, yeah. I look at the science of sales as being able to look at the process almost from a macro point of view, especially like a management or a leadership point of view and see where the crimps in the hourglass are. Um, it, you know, if, if we've got a serious drop off in the sales process between a, for instance, a discovery call and a, and a closing meeting or a proposal meeting, then I know that there's a challenge somewhere with that discovery call or that discovery meeting. And I can go deeper into that and say, okay, well, what's, what are the processes? What are we saying? What are our normal things that we're doing? Mm -hmm. But then when we pivot from that and we start to look at the art, to me, the art is having that ability to really just, again, flow through the conversation. And, you know, when you're one-to-one -one with another human being, the key there is for me to turn off my science brain and realize, okay, hold on, this is another human being. And the, the benefit here is that connection and that relationship. And that's where the art of sales comes in, in my opinion. And if you had to pick, they're both so important, but yeah. what, what do you think, is there one that you think is more important than the other? If you had to pick, I'm going to force you to pick one and tell me why. <laughs> So I'm going to say that depends on where you're at. Um, and, and when I say where you're at in an organization. So if you're in a leadership position, um, I think the science of sales is extremely important because you've got to be able to look at that process and break it down and fix what's broken. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're on a, if you're more of an individual contributor or that you're that the person who's in the trenches day in, day out selling, then that's where the art comes in, where that, that's where that person to person relationship building really makes a difference. And like you said, they're both really important. And that's a difficult thing. I think it's like when you're a leader, you need to be at like 55% science, 45% art <laughs> and then flip that when you're in sales. All right. I, I like, I like that answer. Um, <laughs> now I, I'll push back a little bit on it because there's also, there's, there's a lot of people that are talking about, you know, leaders get so stuck in just like activity quota, activity quota, activity quota, activity quota. And like, it's the end result that really matters. And that path looks different for different people. Agree or disagree? I totally agree. And that's, I think that as a leader, what it really, the reason I like that science side for the leader is because it allows you to lead your people and help them develop their skills. It's not about just what some sort of KPI that you've thrown out there. It's not just about how many meetings, it's about what the result is. 
Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when we're in that sales process, our goal to me is twofold. First and foremost, to do enough of it that we are generating consistent and reliable new revenue for our businesses or companies. And secondly, when we're in that sales process and it just completely left my brain for a minute. Um, <laughs> I gotta love it when that happens. Mm. No, so doing enough of it. And then the second piece of it is that we are all growing and developing and able to continue to hone our craft and help our customers at the highest level. See if I talk long enough that it'll catch up to me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's that again, ad identifying the value that whether or not we can or should add, continue to add value to that customer or that prospect, um, to identify whether or not it's a good fit. And then the other piece being that we're continuing to add revenue to our company. That that's a really important piece, sales hustlers, because I think it's so common that that sellers want to make they make the assumption that like everybody like everybody is a good fit. Everybody should work with us. Like if we're having a conversation, like there's no reason why we shouldn't do business together. Why is that? Why is that bad, Brett? You know, so we often help companies with on the marketing side. And one of the things that I like to often say is if your messaging, if your goal of your messaging is to appeal to everybody, you're appealing to nobody. Mm. And if you're trying to cast your net so broadly, then you have to be so vague and so general in the answers that you give and the information that you're sharing. And it's just, you're not going to connect. And so when you be begin to develop Okay, number one, I know who who the right people are for the value that my company or my or I bring. And when you begin to develop that and understand that, then you're able to position yourself as a true and I hate saying this because it became so cliche like early 2000s, yeah. but you can really position yourself as a trusted advisor rather than just a salesperson because I've had those conversations where I've been on the been on a call or in a meeting with somebody and been like this is just, not, we're not going to be a good fit for each other, but let me get you with somebody who I think can help you meet your goals. And yeah. that's, that's instantly, that's when, when you cross that chasm immediately from this is somebody trying to sell me so that they're going to hit a quota or get their commission versus, okay, this is somebody who actually cares about me and my business. Mm. I like to say it's the difference between a salesperson and a sales professional. Yes. That's awesome. That's that's a good one. I'm gonna have to remember that one. I may have to and steal that one later. <laughs> I, I did not I did not come up with it. So go ahead and, and steal it. I don't know where I stole it, but I did and somebody somewhere deserves some credit. Um and I, I think I hear I hear my good friend Larry Levine talk about, you know, the difference between, you know, a seller or a sales professional. So maybe I picked it up there. Yeah. Um but you know, and, and here's the thing. I love that you said that because you know, sales hustlers, this is, this is so important, right? Like you're, the goal is to have conversations and identify one, do they have a problem that you can solve and are you the right fit to solve it? And that's not everybody. And when you start forcing, you know, start persuading people, you know, to hit your activity quota, to get them into your pipeline, whatever the reason, that's when you have all these deals in there that you're just kind of like, Mm, you know, I don't know how many are going to actually close. Yeah. Um, but when you have good, consistent, like, hey, you know, I did a solid discovery. They have a problem that they value solving um, and we're the right fit to solve it. And I love that you said sometimes you aren't and you can be confident enough in, 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 in what you do and really care enough about the person on the other side of that relationship to say, 
I see, you know, that these are your problems and I'm not necessarily the best person to solve it, but here's some resources. Here's some people. I'm happy to make some intros. Um, and, and that, because it's your reputation and your reputation matters. It's so true. And that's, I mentioned this when we were live and, but you know, I, I really hold to that, to the, the Jeffrey Gittimer saying of, I don't, try to sell people things. I try to create, I create an environment where they want to buy. And that's, if that's what you're doing. um, I mean, I've had, I've literally been on, and this is not an attest, a testament to me. It's a testament to the people that I've learned from. I've been on sales conversations when at the end of it, I have told them, Hey, this is not a good fit. And they have said, I really wish you had something that I could buy from you. Hmm. Because to me, it was the power and the importance of that relationship and knowing that at the end of the day, if I am willing to give in order to build enough relationships, I'll get mine. Like it's just, it's a, it's a natural product of doing what should be done rather than trying to pull it out of people and try to force it out. Yeah. Yeah. I like to call it karma. Yeah, exactly. Karma, sowing seed, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it doesn't matter how how you term it. It it all comes back. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's funny because when you actually do right by people and do the right thing, good things happen. And you know, that might be hard to believe. And if that's hard to believe, then maybe try that and you'll see what happens, right? (laughs) Give it a run. It's worked for me so far. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Now, so um, I, I want to talk about, okay, so creating this and you brought this up when we talked and you brought it up again. So what is creating an environment where people want to buy look like? Like, give us some examples of that. Yeah. Well, so first I'll, I'll go with Jeffrey Gittimer's trademarked saying, and he's literally trademarked this. So I'll send him a quarter whenever we're done is that people, <laughs> people hate to be sold, but people love to buy. And so that's the truth is if we're facing a challenge, whether it's personally, professionally, or our company is. We love to find a solution to that challenge. And quite frankly, for me, I, I, I almost can't write the proverbial check fast enough if it's something that I know that's going to help me solve my problems. So I think a lot of it boils down to really investing in that conversation. And I love um, Chris Voss's technique, and we've talked about him, but Chris Voss of you're there to my game. I play a game sometimes when I'm in sales conversations uh, of how much can I get this other person to talk? Mm. And the more I get them to tell me how my solution is going to help them specifically, then I don't have to sell it. I just have to maybe give them just a little bit of a show and tell more or less, or a demo of, let me show you what this can do or how this fits in with what you've shared with me. Um, and then it's not me trying to impress upon them or sell them the feature or sell them the benefit. It's all about they have really they've created the atmosphere to that they now want to buy, and I'm just showing them that solution. Yeah, and 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 listen, folks the 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 bad news is is this is not easy. No, it's not. <laughs> it it's takes not. a lot of work. It takes a lot of work because there's no script for this. Like yeah. every convert, when you really actually like 110%, like actually give a shit about the person on the other side of the phone or Zoom or video or however you conduct your sales calls or less, there's less and less, you know, 
in-person sales being done these yeah. days, but yeah. whatever that looks like for you, when you actually genuinely care enough to be curious enough to ask questions, to find out what matters to them, to find out if they have a problem. And even sometimes if they have a problem, do they even care to solve the problem? Like what's the yes. impact if they don't solve the problem? You know, are they going to lean more towards just sticking with whatever they have today? Cause that's what they know. And they don't yeah. value the problem being solved. Um, you, you know, there's, there's no real script for that. Like you have a general sense of what you need to accomplish in a, in a sales relationship or in a sales call. Um, but you know, asking those types of questions leads to different questions and that path, there's no straight path for that. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about like, some things that you do to create that environment for people to buy and like that's worked really well for you. Like what are some kind of go-to things or strategies or things you do to kind of create that sort of environment in those relationships? So I think the first thing um, is I do focus a lot on Chris Voss's techniques. Um, never split the difference. If you've not read the book, you're, you're killing yourself in sales. Yeah. Um, and, get out and, from under a rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> figure, figure out what country you're in and read it. Um, <laughs> and so when I'm, you know, when I'm in those conversations, like I said, one of the, one of my tactics is, okay, let's see how much I can sit here and shut up. Um, and you know, there are people that throw out different percentages. Mm. You should be talking X percentage of the time. Um, but if they ask, if a, if a prospect asks me a question, in the right way, my goal is to make sure that I am answering that in the right way and but as quickly as possible getting them talking again. Because the more I talk in a sales conversation, the more likely I am to lose the sale. Mm. And that's I was reading a different book the other day. I can't remember what the name of the book was, but they were talking about there is a direct correlation. And you, I'll use your your terms here, or the terms that you mentioned. There's a direct correlation between a salesperson's percentage of talking in sales meetings and a sales professional's percentage of talking. And a sales professional's is consistently and significantly lower. And so, my again, I, I approach it with those techniques, the te techniques that Chris Voss teaches, things like mirroring and and labeling and things like that. And then above and beyond that, I approach it with a genuine curiosity. You know, um, I'm going to whip out this old quote that I use so much. It's ridiculous that you can't add value to people until you start, until you first value people. And so mm -hmm. when I go in, I have the moment, no matter how busy my day is, I make sure that I plan just a couple of minutes before every sales conversation to take a breath and remind myself that the person I'm getting on the phone with is not getting on the phone because they want to buy what I do or what I offer. They're getting on the phone because they have a genuine problem or challenge with themselves or their business that they want to solve. And my responsibility in that conversation is not to try to tell them how great I am, my product are, my products are, or my services are. My responsibility is to discover the truth of that problem and then discover whether or not I'm the fit to help them with that. Because what I found is if I'll take the time and take that mindset of discovering the truth of what their challenge or, or problem that they're trying to overcome is, even if I'm not the right fit, I most likely know somebody who is, but I've had those situations where I've not gone in with the, okay, let me figure out what the true challenge is here. 
and I'll think, okay, well, I know exactly who can fix this. And it's the completely the wrong person. And then frankly, I've hurt my credibility mm. because I didn't actually find out, take the time to find out what the real challenges were. And, and, and that looks like asking a lot of questions. And I like two things you said, being, being curious enough, yeah. right. And, 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 and actually believing that that person matters and their yes. problems matter and you can't fake that. No, you can't. <laughs> and so can I, you know, I, I was just really taking in everything you're saying there. So I don't want to mess it up. Can you say that one more time for me and for our <laughs> listeners of, of, um, you said, you, you, uh, what's that phrase you said? Just, uh, I'm going to mess it up. I want you to say it again. So, okay. The John Maxwell one. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Go. Yeah. So you can't add value to people until you first value people. Right. You can't add value to, I'm stealing that for sure. If I can remember it, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you can't add value to people until you first value people. So what, like, like, what does that mean? Right? Like you can't pretend like you care about people. (laughs) Like you actually got to care about people. And you can't really care about people unless until you really care about yourself and invest in yourself and value yourself too. So it kind of even goes back even a little like further, like there's some personal work that's got to be done in order for you to be better in your professional role. It's so true. And that's, and I'll plug this real quick because this is what that came from. It's John Maxwell's book, Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. That's where that's, that phrase came from. Uh, if there was nothing else I got out of that book, that made it worth the book. And I mean, I think that's, it's so true because if you're not confident in your ability to carry that conversation and, and it's not, that's the thing is it's, it is not about carrying the conversation. And I shouldn't have probably even said that it's about genuinely engaging and connecting with that person or people and realizing And there's a balance to it. You know, you can't be, Hey, I'm coming in here to be your best friend in the world, especially Mm -hmm. if you're dealing with a large B2B because they're like, I don't need another friend. I need a solution to this problem, (laughs) but there is a balance to it. But if you're going in and you just realize you have that true attitude of, I'm going to add value to these people, even if it's not with my product or service, that's when you, when you're going to make the difference and, and growing yourself in the process, you know, for me, reading and listening to podcasts, just like sales hustle and, and so many others and just pouring that good stuff into me. It's that's the, the difference maker, at least to me. And I I tell people there's, there's one reason that I, I work as hard to grow myself, my skills and my mindset as hard as I do. Mm. And it's so I can give them away because the worst thing that we can become is what I call knowledge constipated. (laughs) <laughs> and so if I'm, if I'm working to build myself up so that I can give it away, you know, it's the difference between the Mississippi river and the dead sea, mm-hmm. you know, there's life all around the Mississippi river, but the dead sea, everything's dead because the dead sea just holds and captures everything that it gets. And so when I'm developing those skills, it's so I can give them away so I can teach them so I can help a nut, one more prospect see the difference that can happen in their business, whether it's from working for me or work or working with me or working with somebody else. All right. So sales hustlers, I hope you didn't miss that. You better not have knowledge constipation. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be my quote for the, for the entire podcast. I can see. (laughs) Yeah. I see that as a potential title of a book. (laughs) (laughs) That's a guy. I'll have to remember that one. Yeah. Um, 
man. All right. So much good stuff here. So, uh, all right. So, you know, and the thing is, is this a difference between like, we talked a lot about like what these sort of conversations look like, right? Asking, you know, talking less, yeah. being curious, actually caring enough to, to, to be curious. Um, and, you know, realizing that these people matter and, and trying to add value and not being so stuck on like trying to get them to the next yes or trying yes. to get them to the next stage of your sales cycle or trying to get them to the demo or trying to get them in the pipeline or trying to get them to the proposal. Like just the goal is to just build more relationships with the right people. Yeah. And if you can help them, great. And if you can't, Great. But ultimately, you better make sure that it was a good experience, whatever that relationship looked like, however short or term it is or, or isn't. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the things that we work with a lot on um, when we're helping companies with marketing on that side is to help the company realize. And and oftentimes, you know, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit marketers are really guilty of this, of, Hey, this is a marketing qualified lead. This is an MQL. You need to reach out to him. You need to reach out to him. One of the things that we work on helping bridge that gap is that there is training and understanding from the sales team of where this lead came from, the temperature of that lead mm-hmm. and all getting all the information that could potentially come from that process so that when a salesperson's going in, they're going in with the right mindset. You know, if somebody downloads a white paper, they're not ready to buy whatever you've got. I would almost guarantee it. <laughs> but if it, you know, it's different if somebody goes to your website and fills out a contact us form. And so to me, it's being aware, you know, it's really being aware of where did this person come in at? And then where are we at in the process in their mind? Because it's all about perception on their end. It's about the perceived value that you're bringing. And what is, where are they in that process? Have they just started thinking about it? Did they just realize whenever you were talking to them that they had the problem? Mm. Or as soon as they came in, did they know this is the problem? This is what I think your solution is going to fix. And then it's a different conversation. I love that you brought this up because this is, this is a topic that I actually enjoy talking about is how sellers can really struggle with how they treat like inbound leads versus outbound leads or where that lead came from. And and, and I think it's very common, uh, for, let's say for the non-sales professional or maybe the you know less educated person in sales or somebody that just maybe hasn't been taught that there's a better way if we're giving them the benefit of the doubt here that just because somebody downloaded a white paper does not mean that they're ready to buy does not mean that like you just go straight to pitching like you still there's still a lot of work to do you still yeah. need surprise you still need to conduct a discovery you still <laughs> need to have a conversation with them to find out like hey do they did they just find it cuz did it just look cool in the ad and they clicked and they're not even really interested in market or does this like really resonate with them? You know, what stood out to them? Why did they give us their information? Why are they hopping on the call? What problem? Like there's so many steps that get skipped on yeah. inbound leads because of people making the assumption like, well, it's an inbound lead. Like they're ready to buy, you know? Yeah. And it's so true because it's, and that's the power of data. And I'm not talking about like, you know, this person's, these are their demographics or things like that. But that's really the power to me from the, when, when you're talking about that transition from the, in, on the inbound leads, 
that's the power of the data. Because if I know, for instance, that this person came from, and I'm just going to make something up here from a Google ad mm -hmm. and the keywords that they searched was, how can I solve X problem? Oh, there's a high degree of intent there. And I can probably pace just a little bit faster. I can probably move things forward at a little bit quicker pace. But if this came because they randomly saw an ad on their Facebook or on their LinkedIn and they were like, oh, well, that looks like something I might be able to use next time I'm thinking about that. And you just start harassing them. <laughs> what their Google search is going to end up being is alternative to enter your company name. <laughs> and so that's, you know, that's the thing is it's making sure that you're clear on how they came in from the marketing side and that's collaboration with marketing. But then taking that data and then going into the discovery meeting. And here's one of the things that gets me. And I hope there are some sales leaders here that are listening. Stop telling people what to ask during the discovery session. Other than maybe a, a first couple of warm up questions to get somebody talking. Have a because, light, have a have a loose light playbook. Yes. Because what I, what I've seen, and I've seen, I've had it done to me of we're in this discovery conversation and I'm kind of checking things out. I'm not even sure that this is a problem I want to address right now, but they've mm -hmm. got this set list of questions and their mindset is I want to hear what this person says. And then I want to ask my next question. Yeah. And you're losing Oof. business like crazy because of that, yeah. because you're uh, not training your people to think. <laughs> and, and, and there's, there's a cut, there's, there's a lot of things wrong with this, but let's, let's, let's dig in on a couple. All right. So when you, when you have like this scripted discovery, right, let's call it a scripted discovery. Yeah. You're not empowering your people enough to be curious enough yes. to ask the better questions that will lead to a potential sale, maybe, yeah. or, or will help you identify, Hey, they don't really have a problem. We're not best suited to help them. And we just saved ourselves a ton of time in the endless loop of I'm just following up. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. and here, here's the flip side of it. So there's, there's two things that I'll, I'll point out about that. The first one is if you find that now is not the right time, that's when that relationship is the most important. Because in, in my opinion, the vast majority of sales that are lost are lost because of, because they're trying to convert something that's not ready. And they're not willing to put the work in to maintain that relationship over the next six months, quarter, year, fiscal year, whatever the case may be of having that balance of saying, hey, you know what? Listen, I get you're probably not ready to do anything right on this right now. So how about I just stay in touch? If I find anything that I think might be helpful to you with what the stuff that you are focused on, I'll shoot it your way. And then whenever it's time, you know, maybe I'll follow up in six months and say and see if things have changed. And yeah. just being willing to, to take that second and make that shift. But then the second piece of this, and this is the other thing, you know, we talked about asking a lot of right, a lot of right questions, but it's about learning. In my opinion, this true sales professional learns how to even ask fewer questions and get more, more data or more information. The right. Yeah. The right questions, more broad exactly. questions. Right. So like, here's an example, right? The, the more typical, you know, you're an inbound lead, you're outbound lead, whatever. Let's say you hop on a discovery and you have, and, and, and I've had this just like to yourself, I've had it done to me many times, right? So I've been on that other end where I'm like, ah, oh, that feels really gross, right? Yeah. Where you, 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 you feel as a, as a buyer or a prospect, it feels, uh, you feel like you're treating very, being treated very transactionally. Yes. Yes. Right? Um, and it looks like, oh, you know, 
How many employees do you have? Are you the person that decides on that? Is there anybody else that needs approval? What's your timeline on this? Like that's the scripted discovery, right? Yes. right? And yes. you're like, oh, just, you know, click. <laughs> exactly. Right? And if they tell me they can do a 15 minute discovery call, I'm not taking the call. Mm. Hey, mm. let's hop on a fit, quick 15 minute discovery call. Or where if the wording, most people don't say discovery call, but I know what they mean. If the wording tells me this is supposed to be a 15 minute discovery call, and then if that makes sense, we'll go to a demo immediately. I'm like, nope, I can do that 15 minute discovery on your website. I don't need to have a conversation with you mm. because you're not going to, there's no way you're getting what you need from me to make an actual prescriptive recommendation in 15 minutes. Yeah. And it, it does depend on the product or the service a little bit. Well, and I'm, yeah, yeah, and I'm right. not, and I'm not. I'm not opposed to a 15 minute discovery if it's, if it's a, if it's a sort of a commodity, you know, sort yeah, of yes, product that, where it yeah. is a bit of more of a transactional sale, just generally because of the nature of what it is. Um, but if you're selling some, you know, professional service or high ticket service or, you know, very niche, you know, enterprise software, like yeah, 15 yeah. minute discovery makes no sense. Um, and so, so, so that's what a scripted discovery, right? But like what, what line of question is a, is a, is a non-scripted, a more coming from a place of like, Hey, I really actually give a shit about like, does Brett have a problem that I can solve? I think it's all about context. Um, you know, I think it's, it's depending on what the interaction has been leading up to the discovery. Um, I know that sometimes that, that we have salespeople right now, and this is something that we're, we work very hard at leading link to make sure it doesn't happen for us at least that it's not a, Hey, the first interaction you're having with the client is a discovery meeting. Um, but a lot of it is about context. You know, how did this conversation start? Okay. That's an inbound. You're still probably not going to have that very first interaction be a discovery meeting, but I mean, it could be something as simple as starting off with, tell me why you're taking time out of your day to meet with me today. Mm. I like because that. yeah, especially in the B2B world, I promise you, if they're a corporate employee, they're not taking time because they didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. I like <laughs> I like this. I like this one, which is kind of similar. What what actually piqued your interest to to put this on your calendar? Yes. And then just sit back and, and they shut might up. And, and <laughs> a lot of times they might talk for 15 minutes. Like, oh, exactly. this is going on and this really sucks, and this happened, and this, and we're trying to solve this, and we got this, and you're just like, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. hit mute and just type away yes. you know, or use some sort of tool that transcribes and puts it in your CRM, whatever. Um, exactly. I still, I, I, I use the transcription tools, but, uh, but I also like typing my own stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and so, um, yeah. And, and so asking those sort of like, there's not a script for that. And also here's a big thing. Um, and we're probably gonna have to wrap it up soon, unfortunately, <laughs> but, um, he, here's, here's one thing is don't ask questions that you could have found out on your own by doing yes. a little bit of research or homework or <laughs> things like that. Like, you know, oh, tell me a little bit about what your company does or, you know, like don't ask. It's the, And this is the analogy that I like to give folks, right? If you're, if you've ever led a team or if you've ever, ever interviewed people or hired or any capacity, there's the candidates that show up that you know did their research. They know yeah. exactly what you do. They've researched your industry. They've researched your competitors. They know about anything on your website, your social media. Like those people stand out, right? Yeah. So do the research in advance, right? Drop some things in the beginning yes. so it shows. 
Yep. And, and don't ask questions that you should already know the answer to. Exactly. Totally agree. And especially as free as resource research is now. I mean, it's, you're not having yeah. to go, you know, <laughs> go to the library and pull books out or anything anymore. You know, it's a Google search. Yeah. I mean, don't get too creepy with it though, where you're like, yeah, I know that you guys are using HubSpot forms and spending, you know, 5,000 on Google ads. <laughs> and you know, like you can, you can get a lot of information these days. So don't get like creepy with it where you're like, I don't even, I don't even know if I want to work with these guys. They know I way see, too much about us. I saw where you took your kids to the lake this past weekend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do not pass go. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, man, Let, let's any closing thoughts. Um, anything else you want the sales hustlers to know, or just, you want to hit home on something we've already discussed and then tell them where they can find your show, learn about more about you, all that good stuff. I mean, I think the long and short to me of the entire sales process really hinges on your willingness to get creative with your ability to give value. Because if you're creative with your ability to give value, then you'll find the entire rest of the process is going to flow. Um, because if you're consistently giving value, whether you're building your individual seller brand or you're a company that's building it, that's where the difference is going to be made. Um, and yeah, you can, I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> we do go live every Monday and Thursday um, with leading to sales. We interview leadership sales and marketing experts to just talk about the industry, talk about what's going on and talk about what the future may look like. Um, we're on there. You can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm one of the few Brett Williamses on there. I think I, what's funny is I actually went through and connected with all the other Brett Williamses because I thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, look me up on LinkedIn. Um, you can visit uh, my company's website, leadinglinked.com. Um, there are some free resources there where you can. One of the things that uh, I did not too long ago is I put together an ebook. Um, and that ebook is called How Posting on LinkedIn is killing your brand and five steps to make sure it doesn't. Mm. Um, and here's the thing is we as sellers, we all have personal brands as well. So that matters. And so that it's a little bit, it's a detailed ebook. Um, but if you want to pick it up, you can pick it up for free on our website, leadinglinks.com. All right. And everybody that's listening to the podcast, we will drop those links in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, write us a review, share it with your friends, and we are listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out and if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder Chris. I'm your host Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.